We're going to bring the uh, book of 1 Thessalonians to a close this morning as we've gone through this book. And uh, I want to say as we bring this book to a close as a way of thinking about it that, that the book of Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, is all about uh, understanding our union with Christ and the compelling realities that flow from that. It's all about clear thinking about biblical or doctrinal issues, and it's all about community. So those are the, kind of the themes as, as we think about First Thessalonians and bringing it to a close. It's all about our union with Christ. It's all about being found in Him and being His people. In First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1, it says that to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are in Christ. We are in Him. He says in chapter 4, verse 1, Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus Christ to do this more and more. And so Paul holds before them this incredible concept. You are in Christ Jesus. If you are a believer in the reality of the cross and the work of Jesus, the eternal God for your sins, uh, who, who is prophet, priest, and king, you are in God the Father, and you are in Christ Jesus. Second Peter has the same theme where he says that through these he has given us his very great and promises, precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. And you think about that. He's given us himself. He's given us his word. He's given us his promises so that we might participate in the divine nature, to be in Christ, to be conformed to Christ, to be in him. It's amazing. God became a man and lived among us and died on the cross for our sins and rose victorious over death. And all who call upon his name are grafted into fellowship with him. And so there's union with Christ. I was reading about the resurrection of Lazarus this week in John chapter 11. And I was just thunderstruck by this little phrase. It says that, that as Jesus heard about the death of Lazarus and saw the people weeping, he says, once more, Jesus was moved deeply. I just stopped and said, thank you, Lord, that you're moved deeply by your people. Thank you that you're a God who understands. Thank you that you're, you're the God who walked among us, who tabernacled among us. And that's why the writer of Hebrews, for example, says in chapter 4, verse 15 or 14 and following, says this. He says, he says, therefore, since we have a high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet without sin. God became a man. It just, it's, 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 the, the God of the Old Testament, of the smoking mountain, who said, don't come any closer, has now become the God who was in the manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes who embraced lepers and who wept over people, who wept over cities. And, and, and we have union with him because of the work of Christ. We are in Christ. And so this, this, this union, though, this has a, a compelling motivation in our lives. For example, he says in verse 3, chapter 1, he says, We continue remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith. 
your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. This union with Christ has compelling action on our part. Or later says in chapter 1, he says, they tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven. Because of your union with Christ, you continuously turn to God from idols. This is, this, is, this is who you are. This is what you're about. And then he says in, in chapter 4 to this, ch- this church in the middle of an riotous, sensual culture, verse 3, it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn how to control his own body. One reason I love to study through books of the Bible, though, is, is you, you can jump into this text without really understanding the preceding three verses where Paul talks about, behold the glory of Christ. Behold the wonder of the God who loves us. Behold the love that I have, the Apostle Paul says, for you, the people of God. Behold our desire to, to, to be with you. And, and so he says, so, so this is the will of God, that you should be sanctified, that you should live differently. He says, and, and this is the will of Abba Father. This is the will of the shepherding King Christ. This is the will of of the Holy Spirit who comforts us and who nurtures us. This is God's love letter to us that we should be people who who are pure because that's God's best for us. And then he says in verse 7, the same chapter, he says, For God did not call us to be impure but to live a holy life. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man but god who gives us his holy spirit he says you know if if you don't walk this way you're not rejecting the wisdom of a man you're rejecting abba father you're rejecting the shepherding christ who loves you you're rejecting the holy spirit who comforts you and who wants to guide you it's it's all about our union and our ethic our, our living flows from that union See, it's all about the outpoured, glorious love of Christ for us. Do you see this shepherding? This book is all about the shepherding love of Christ, the Abba love of the Father, the comforting grace of the Holy Spirit. May you live this way. That's the whole theme of the Bible. In 2 Corinthians, it says, God's, the, the love of Christ compels us or constrains us. And just, just praying through this, I thought, you know, just, just a, a word to all of us, but a word to to parents especially, um, and just love your kids. Just love them. Just, just, just love them. There's a couple I admire so much, and their child was involved in, as an adult, was involved in uh, a behavior that broke their hearts. Just broke their hearts day after day, week after week, month after month, and. And, and, and they, they struggled with it and lived in another city. And they said, you know, we're going to love you harder and longer and deeper than anybody else is going to love you. You're, you can't get rid of us. We love you. And I thought that, that's, that's the most important thing that we can do as parents, as leaders, just to love people, to care for them. So, so th- this flows from union. Do, do you see who we are in Christ? And, and then as, as, as we see that, the, the second little issue is, is it, it 
calls for clear thinking or, or doctrinally sound thinking that must be continuously brought to mind. There's some issues at First Thessalonians, we discussed this at length, about the, the second coming, some fallacious understandings about the second coming. So Paul corrects that, and then he makes this, this summation statement in chapter 4, verse 18. He says, therefore, encourage each other with these words. Encourage each other with these words. Encourage each other with truth. And then he says, this is how you live as a Christian. This is how you put on the, the Christian armor. It's, it's an abbreviated, abbreviated statement of the Christian armor. And then he says in verse 11 of chapter 5, he says, therefore, encourage one another and, and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. Encourage Build, strengthen, just as in fact you are doing. And then he, as he brings it to a close, he says in chapter 5 about, about clear thinking that needs to be doctrinally grounded and sound. He says, chapter 5, verse 19, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, the apostolic message. Instead, test everything. Hold on to the good and avoid every kind of evil. But you got to think clearly. you got to think biblically. And as you think that way and live that way, you encourage each other by, by speaking it out. By saying, behold the wonder of the glory of heaven. Or, or, or behold the Christian armor and we're children of the light, not children of the day. Or you test everything through, through the grid, through the, the, the strength, if you, if you, if you will, of, of, of Scripture. And you cling to that which is good and you avoid that which is bad. This is the people God has called us to be. When we saw one type of people where the psalmist writes, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on that law he meditates day and night. This is who we are. We're people of the book. And so Paul is saying, be people of the apostolic message. We say, be people of the book. Be, be people of the book who, who, who cling to it. I'm studying the book of Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 23 to 29, chapter 23 to 29, is about God pronouncing judgment on leaders and on, on Judah. And, and then in chapter 29, he he says to the people who are, who've gone to the Babylonian captivity, he says, you know, bless the area where you are. Build the city. He said, I'll bring you back. I'll bring you back. And in, in, in the middle of telling the people that they deserve judgment, this is what God says. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then... You will call upon me, and then you will come and pray to me, and I will listen, or I will hear you, and you will seek me and find me when you seek for me with all of your heart. So just be saturated with the goodness of God, and that's why you know, we have a purpose statement as a church, and it is equipping people to pursue Christ passionately to impact the culture. We equip people out of this. We equip them. We want you to know, we want you to think biblically. We want you to think about how to love people. Think about how to speak for the standards of Christ in our culture. To, to, to open your mouth. To, to live it out. 
but we need to be an equipping church and equip boys and girls and men and women to pursue Jesus passionately by the power of the Holy Spirit so they can impact the culture. That's what we do at our school here. That's what we do in our, our age-stage ministries here. That's what we want to do. But, but, uh, but the, the, the sad truth, for example, in, in, in Proverbs 19, 27, Proverbs 19, 27, this is, listen to this, it's a little problem. Just read this yesterday morning. Just went, bow, okay. Stop listening to instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. Now, that is a proverbial statement that cannot be argued with. You see, if you stop listening to the words of instruction, when you just stop heeding, when you just absent yourself from being with people who love Christ, when you just stop, you stray. You never tread water in Lake Moultrie. You're in the Snake River in Idaho. And it's, 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 it's white water. And you jump in and you tread water and you're downstream. You're not in Lake Moultrie. Stillwater Lake. If you, if you stray... If you, if you stop listening, you just stray. And that's why this book is all about clear thinking that is doctrinally loaded that must be continually brought to our mind from Abba Father, the Shepherding Savior, the Comforting Holy Spirit. And then the third point is, is this. It's all about community. And not to belabor the obvious, but notice chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, to the church, to God's redeemed, to gather together to worship, to, to the church at Thessalonica. And one of the things he dealt with were, was the spurious whispering campaign that said, Paul is not what he's cracked up to be. He's a charlatan. He mis- misrepresents things. If he loved you, he would be here. Paul sends Timothy to say, I want to be here, but, I, but Satan has stopped us and hindered us. And Timothy comes back with this wonderful report. Paul, they love you, but they have these questions. This is what Paul says in response to that, chapter 2, verse 19. He says, he says, Brothers, what is our hope and our joy or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory. You are our joy. Chapter 3, verse 7. Therefore, brothers, in all of our distress and persecutions, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since You are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Paul is standing up and he's rejoicing. He's doing doing the apostolic electric slide. He's so happy. He's saying, look, man, you, you you guys are not only... Not questioning our authority. You're going for the name of Christ. You're standing strong. You are our joy and we are delighting in you. See, it's, it's all about community. He says in chapter 3, verse 11, May God clear the way that I can come to you 
He says in chapter 3, verse 12, May he strengthen your heart so that you may be blameless and holy in his presence when we come. And may your love overflow for everyone else. He says again in chapter 4, verse 9, Now, about brotherly love, we don't need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. It's all about community. I was preaching on this book to a group of missionaries recently in in a very difficult part of the world, and it's been very much in my prayers this week, North Africa. And um, Paul says here in, in, in chapter 2, he says, I want to come to you, but Satan stopped us. Satan. And I said, we're in warfare. We're in warfare. Satan wants to hinder the gospel. Satan wants to cause us to trip. Satan is like a roaring lion. And, and then I, I said to them, man, it resonated with them. They said, yeah. I said, I, I, I would not want to go into warfare, wh- whether it's here in Charleston or whether it's in Tunis or whether it's in Morocco. Where, I would not want to go into warfare if I did not have people who were praying for me. I, I wouldn't. Thank God for praying moms and dads if you're from a Christian home. Thank God for praying spouses. Thank God for praying children. So I, I, would, I wouldn't want to go into battle if I didn't have a prayer covering. I said, not, not just people that get a prayer letter. I mean, you've got uh, people you can call to and say, pray for this, and they get on their knees and they start praying. Man, we need that. We, 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 we desperately need that. I think if Paul says in Galatians 4, when the church in Galatia was just kind of waffling, he says, my dear children, for whom I am once again in the pains of what? Childbirth childbirth graphic statement do you have people around you who pray over you labor over you at times as if they're in the pains of childbirth that's community i think of colossians 1 paul says we we preach Christ so that we may present every man complete in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all of his strength which is in me. I mean, do, you, do you have those people in your life? They're praying for you. See, you can't, it's, it's all about community. It's all about being in community. And one, one of the key Ministries of this church are community groups. Listen to them, they're community groups. Whether they're women's groups or couples groups or men's groups. And there's a definition of them in the bulletin. It's very basic. It says a, a small group, a small group, that's what we want to be about. A small group is a group of, it says here, 5 to 15, not more than 15 people who meet together regularly to help each other grow in Christ-likeness as they are informed by Scripture and pursue Christ by prayer. It's very simple. Community, small groups. Small groups. In fact, our elders said this is so important that we are in the process of praying for an individual to lead us in this ministry and really expand it and grow it. It's, It's so important. I must be in community, in a small group. I've got to be in a small group where people love me and pray for me and know me you can come here week after week and hear the word and that's part of sanctification but a large part of our growth in christ is having people in our lives who walk with us 
who weep with us when we weep, who rejoice with us when we rejoice. And if you do not have that, then you're missing out on a key calling of God in your life. If you're not in community, I mean somebody in community with you, in, in fellowship with you. Man, I love the people out there. And we, we have, for example, on, on Friday morning we have man-to-man. Men sit around tables, we have a great breakfast, and we sit around and talk. And there are all types of guys there, for example... Well, let me just give you this quote, and we'll go back. This is from a guy named R.L. Dabney. This is so good. R.L. Dabney was a great theologian in the South before the war between the states. And he says this, Every soul that is united truly to Christ is united to his brethren. Hence follows an identity of spirit and principle, a community of aims and a oneness of affection and sympathy. We're part of a community. I'm going to say it several times. I'm going to be asking people, I'm going to ask our elders to ask people, who, where is your small group? Is it men's group, women's group, couples group? But where is your small group? Who is it that knows you and walks with you and cares for you and, and you, you rejoice together? Like man to man, we have various groups. We have, for example, table two that I lead. This is what looks like table two. Some guys on table two. And then we have table six. This is uh, table six. So we have, we have all kinds of guys from, you know, so if you say, well, I, I, anybody can come. Look at table six. Right by Mark Fitz. Anybody can come. That's what we must be about, church. And to sign up for a community group, you go online or you fill out the perforate strip in the bulletin and and, but we, I want to make this more and more a part of who we are. If you're not in community, if you're not in a small group, you're missing one of the chief means that God has given us. We, we need to be in community. That, that's just it. I, I, I can't get around it. And so, so, you, so I thought as community or small groups meet, um, we need to remind each other that God is gloriously good in His triune glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and relentlessly pursues a love relationship with us. In John 10, Jesus says, I've come, you may have life and have it abundantly. He says, I'm the gate. You go in and out by me and you find pasture. And all week long, everywhere we turn, at every web search, every news station, the, the key theme is this. It is only here and now. And where do you go to have people sit and look at you and say, you know, there's a glorious God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who is eternal, who has no beginning, who has no end. He's the ultimate reality. And he pursues a love relationship with us by the cross through the power of the Holy Spirit energized by the Word of God. Where do you hear that? You don't hear that at halftime in any football game. You don't hear that watching Fox. You, you, you don't hear it. You hear it here. You hear it in your groups. You hear it in, in Bible study. We need that. That's the message of the ages. Secondly, as we get together, we need to say to each other, you are called to be a kingdom person and impact those around you. Now, if you're arrogant enough to say, well, I don't really need a small group. Well, maybe somebody in the small group needs you then. If you're the great poobah, join a group and bless them with your presence. And then some of you say, we know, who, 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 what can I do? What, what can I do to participate? Who am I? Listen, don't ever say that. 
Because when you say that, you blaspheme God. I believe that. You have the gospel if you're Christ's follower. You have the Holy Spirit. You've been gifted of God. You have scripture. You have eyes to read scripture. Who are you blessing? Who are you listening to? We've got to be the people of God. We need to be in, 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 a, in a small group where we're told from time to time, death is not the final word. It's not the final word. It's, it's, it's not. It's a little book called The Christian Mind. I'm going to go through part of it. Just look at the second paragraph. The Christian's mind realization that all is not over when you die is something which affects not only the future but the present. Amen. To believe that men will be called to account, that in itself is enough to give an urgency to human deliberations and decisions which the secular mind cannot sense. When one weighs the full momentousness of the particular distinction between the Christian mind and the secular mind, at least for the here and now, there may be noble people that's here and now, one is awestruck. He's right. Unbelievable. I, I need to be reminded of that. I need to be reminded that evil exists and we are at war, and I need brothers and sisters who pray for me, who walk with me until the day I die. And then my sanctification will be complete. But not until then. And who's your group? Who are the people in your life? You study the history of the church. It was all about people being involved with people. Man, we need it. You need it. I was going to say this just at 1130. That's a... 1130, 85% of people in here think that the election of President Reagan is ancient history. They're young. Let me, I'll just say, I got a few minutes. My heart goes out towards young people today. I think it's incredibly more difficult to live for Christ today than it was when I was younger, 30 years or 40 years ago. The incredible um, atmosphere they walk in. And, and they, they need community. We, we, we all do. There, there's a book I would recommend. It's entitled Coming Apart, The State of White America by Charles Murray. It talks about white America from 1960 to the year 2010. And his thesis is this, and I, when I go back to my small town where I grew up in, I see this everywhere. He says, he says we've all done studies about Hispanic and African Americans in America. He says, I'm going to do a study on white America. And he says, middle America, the, the working class, the, the blue class, the, the solid people, said, the people said, he said, four pillars have been foundational in the American experience. He said, industriousness and work, honesty and personal dealings, marriage and a religious orientation. And he says, they are evaporating and they're gone. He says, we, have, we are losing middle America. He's right. He's right. We live in a culture of divorce. 
We live in the culture of anemic spirituality. We live in the culture where, where industriousness and labor is not what it used to be. I think anybody here that's over 45 would say, boy, he's, and he does survey after survey after survey after survey. And my point, and I'll start this next week, is we need revival. But, but as, as people who speak Christ, we need fellowship of the brethren. We need to be instructed. We, we desperately need each other in this culture. And listen, if you're not in a small group, I mean, some group where people know you, you're missing a chief means of God's sanctifying you in the Lord. I mean, some of you people that slip in and slip out every Lord's day, God bless you, but man, take another step. Take, just jump in. Kind of like, it's kind of like swimming in a northern Minnesota lake. In May, <laughs> you don't get in one toe at a time. You just jump, just just jump, just do it. God wants to use you. God wants to bless other people through you. He wants to bless you through other people. That's who we are. Thanks for doing that to me. Years ago, there was a, I thought, a very funny show on called Cheers. Well, some of us remember it. And the byline to the song of introduction is. You want to go where everybody knows your name. We will never go to a place where everybody knows your name if you go to places more than 30 people. But boy, you've got to have some people who know your name who care for you. That's what a small group is. Maybe our theme should be join a small group, quote, where everybody knows your name. I don't know, but uh, that's, that's what it's about. So sign up. Sign up. Get involved. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being in the body of Christ. I thank you that there are people um, all over this building and the North Campus today and the gym uh, who have blessed me by being in a, a small group, whether it's an elder small group, whether it's a men's small group, whether it's a couple small group, whether it's a staff small group. They've been there. They've prayed they've cared they've listened they've laughed wept um, they've gone through deep water we've gone through deep waters with each other we've gone through heights of joy with each other and that's what it's all about thank you that all this flows from being in union with christ thank you that paul wrote this letter not to to leaders at the church at thessalonica or to a good buddy at the church at thessalonica he wrote it to the church at thessalonica and it's a letter to the church today as we make application. So, Lord, just let us understand the importance of, of operating out of our union with Christ. Thank you that, we, that you love us not where we should be but where we are. Thank you, Abba Father. That it, it's not about loving us when we get to be good enough. You just love us with cuts and bruises and broken limbs and dysfunction you just love us and we're clothed in the goodness and righteousness of christ and thank you that out of that union with christ there is a compelling motive to to to, to live out the life and thank you that we are told to continuously bring good strong viable uh, viable doctrine uh, to our understanding and to encourage each other with the words of scripture and to test everything by the apostolic message and thank you that you've called us to community lord and I, I pray that every time 
people get together in this fellowship, that it would be about community. Even on a committee meeting, there would be a sense of shared fellowship and shared concerns as we go forward. Thank you. You've called us to really bless people. Um, so, Lord, come by your Holy Spirit's power. Deal with us and bless us. In Jesus' name, amen.